0: Y'all, I just realized, let's see, today is the 26th. That means coming up next week, teachers start returning to professional development, their classrooms to get things ready. And then the following week, kids go back to school. Hey, this is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5. The show notes are live at kpal965.com. And back to school shopping is the topic of the day, actually. Going to, we're going to talk about the economy. There is economic news, but it does tie into this. Even with the weather as it is, in the afternoon, the last you know couple weeks, we've all got to go out and go back to school shopping. Uh, my kids go to a private school. We just got uh, for my five-year-old just got her class list. Uh, who you know what class she's in, how many kids are in the class, everything like that. Uh, so we know that when it comes time, because at that young age, you still take snacks for, you know, you're, you're still in charge of, of the snacks, you know, for one day uh, or one or two days or one or two weeks of the year. Uh, so we uh, we're, we're getting everything in line for that. We've had to do uniform shopping. School supplies are getting expensive. And... Uniforms are getting expensive. In fact, there have been a couple parishes. We had this story uh, at KPEL 965, I think yesterday. Let me go back and try to see if I can find it. Because this is a story that, that's fascinating to me. Um, let's see. I know, I think it was yesterday. Yes. Should Lafayette Parish school dress code include jeans? And... You know, we had this up because Cameron and Calcasieu Parishes have opted to allow students to wear jeans as part of their approved school uniforms, due in large part to the fact that back-to-school shopping is so expensive. Why should you have to go and buy new clothes for your kids to go to school with everything the way it is right now? Just go ahead. If you have jeans that fit, as long as they don't have rips or holes or anything like that, let your kid wear those to school. That's what Cameron and Calcasieu decided. Now, Cameron and Calcasieu, of course, a uh, little bit uh, in, in some areas, a little bit more rural, some areas still devastated by hurricane activity, will be devastated by hurricane activity again. The economy uh, has been a lot harsher in those areas than it has been around here. But it, it, we still have in many areas where the economic situation is hurting parents. And so it makes me wonder if maybe we shouldn't consider the jeans thing here. But this is why I bring this up. I was, I was going through that. I wanted to see the numbers. I wanted to see the numbers for back to school shopping. I know what we've paid, but again, we're sending both of our kids to uh, a Catholic school. Now it's in between our house and where my wife works. Now, both of us being teachers, both of us have to leave early And there's a school that's right on the way to my wife's school. It just made sense to put it there rather than put our kids in the public schools in one of the two parishes we teach in and try to find a bus to take the kids to a school. This was just easier. So we're Catholic school already having to pay a little bit more than normal than average, I should say, not normal uh, for back to school supplies like clothing, things like that. But I wanted to look up the numbers. So the National Retail Federation, a retail trade group, estimates U.S. shoppers will spend $37 billion this back-to-school season, matching last year's record. Without, and households will be averaging $864 apiece. With inflation at a four-decade high of 9.1%, according to NBC News. The share of consumers expecting to shell out more than $500 on school-related purchases this year shot to 25% from just 7% last year, according to a Morning Consult poll, poll in May and June. But some consumers' buying power is waning faster than others. Wealthier shoppers are still capable of spending at levels that outstrip inflation, while less affluent uh, people are struggling to afford higher prices, according to the National uh, National Retail Federation. Higher income households are largely driving the expected jump in back to school outlays this year. Families with budgets unaffected by inflation are forecast to spend about 32 percent more on school related purchases than in 2021. Among mid to low income households, the outlook is murkier. Families whose budgets are significantly affected by inflation plan to spend 15 percent less than last year on back to school shopping. While those somewhat affected by inflation will spend roughly 6% less, according to. Um, what group is this? Whatever, it's, it's not important. Um, according to uh, the commercial real estate for services firm, JLL. So we're expected to shell out more than $500. We're we're expecting that. More than $500 in back to school shopping. And we have a serious problem here because there are a lot of people who have been negatively impacted by the terrible economy we're in. Gas prices, uh, new and used car prices, Supply shortages. Will we even be able to get the supplies we need for our kids? And then there's the other side to this. Now, if you go to today's show notes on KPL965.com, I do put up a link. Uh, I I say in the, the opening story about back to school shopping, I do have a link to some Amazon wish lists. Now, these are people I know, including my wife, people I know who have Amazon wish lists teachers who in the past have already struggled to get all the supplies they need for their classroom but this year it's a lot worse teachers have to pay a lot out of pocket to make sure that they get the supplies they need to run a successful classroom they don't always get the supplies they need surprise surprise the public sector doesn't always provide the resources you need so not only and and uh, all of the uh, Almost all of the teachers that I've linked to are parents. So not only do these teachers have to pay the back-to-school prices caused by inflation, they're also having to pay for the inflated supply cost for their classrooms. So teachers get hit twice as hard here. And there's no end to any of this in sight. You're still expected to pay this money to send your kid to school. Teachers are still expected to spend this money to get the supplies they need for their classroom. And we're just expected to take it. And it's in large part due to terrible political policies that have gotten us in the position that we're in. 232-1542. 232-1542. If you want to call and complain about back-to-school shopping, absolutely, I am for because I hate back-to-school shopping as well. But if you have any comments on inflation, back-to-school shopping, everything like that, feel free to call in here on The Joe Cunningham Show. We're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. We will be back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 if you want to call in. So I have a request. I have a request on behalf of teachers everywhere. Parents, please, when you're going out back to school shopping and after the start of the year, when you see when your kids meet their teachers and see what exactly the teachers need, teachers aren't, teachers aren't allowed to always say, Hey, you need to bring in this or that. Because like it, it can't be a requirement. Uh, it, it just cannot be. But there's something you can do. Get plenty of boxes of Kleenexes, hand sanitizer, and Clorox wipes for two, maybe three of your kids' teachers. if if they're in the if you know middle and high school, they rotate classes. In elementary, couple boxes for your elementary teacher. But also, because we're in an increased technological age, and I know Mark sitting across from me is also going to appreciate this from his own position, get a couple cans of compressed air for your students. Because if your student will be getting a Chromebook to use throughout the day, or if your student has a class in a computer lab, there is nothing that will be more helpful to everyone involved than getting a can of compressed air so they can clean out their keyboards at the end of the day, end of the week, whatever. Make sure things are clean because the worst thing that can happen is something getting into your keyboard and screwing up because you as the parents actually will be on the hook for that if your child is using that technology and it's not working. Now, the reason I bring all of this up I told y'all yesterday that we were expecting a week of just bad economic data, and the the first one came out today. Consumer confidence fell for the third straight month amid recession fears. This from National Review. The the Conference Board Consumer Price Index, which reflects consumers' business expectations for future months, stands at 95.7 points down from last month's 98.4. The present situation index, showing the current business expectations of consumers, uh, fell to 141.3 from 147.2 in June. The expectations index, which predicts the short-term business expectations, also fell, going down 65.3 points compared to 65.8 points last month. In other words, our confidence in the economy is going down. Now, what did I tell you yesterday? I said yesterday that it does not matter how the Biden administration defines a recession. Now, classically, we have defined a recession as two straight quarters where the GDP, the economy in the U.S., shrinks. That's how we've defined a recession in the United States. The Biden administration is preemptively out there. They put out a message yesterday. The media dutifully reported on it and, and members of the Biden administration are parroting the talking points along with reporters that, well, you know, that's not the only definition or that's not the definition that matters. What really matters is this board, et cetera, so forth. They're the ones who decided based on a holistic look at data. Keep in mind that that board decided that we were in a recession in December of 2008 after we had been in a recession since January of 2008. No no one will dispute that we were in a recession as of January 2008, but that board, the Biden administration is saying that they're going to be the ones who decide if we're in a recession. That board didn't say it until a year later. Here's the problem. As I said yesterday, you and me and consumers... Voters all think that we're in a recession right now. Every indicator is there. Inflation is still sky high. Interest rates are going up. Gas prices are still up way higher than they were a year ago. There's still supply shortages in our supermarkets. Businesses are scaling back on hiring, even closing down job openings they originally had. Because they can't want fill the jobs. And two, they a, a lot of the major companies are actually expecting that they will have to cut jobs once the official recession hits. I know several people who were getting interviewed for media jobs and they weren't able to actually get the jobs because the companies that were hiring closed down the job openings ahead of fears of a recession. Last hired, first fired when it comes to an economic downturn. But wait, there's more. Walmart has sharply cut its annual profit forecast, citing inflation as its primary concern. Net profit at General Motors fell 40% in the second quarter of this year, thanks to supply chain issues and China. A top officer at Morgan Stanley Wealth Management says stock market bulls are suffering from wishful thinking. Add to that consumer confidence falling for the third straight month. Add to that and expect a report showing an expected drop in GDP for the, for the most recent quarter. And it's very clear to you and me and to the voters around the country. That we are, in fact, in a recession and there's no wish casting by the Biden administration that will change voters' minds. And that's why, if you remember, yes, I actually wrote this column at at Red State Day, but that's why I mentioned yesterday the fact that Democrats are mad at Hulu right now and mad at Disney for not running their ads on the streaming service. Because the younger voters, the ones that Democrats need to try to mitigate the damage in the upcoming elections, they're not able to see the Democrats' ads on the issues they want voters to care about. Abortion, gun control, climate change, et cetera, Donald Trump, et cetera. They can't run those ads. They can't get that, uh, those issues in front of the youngest voters. But you know what the youngest voters are going to be hit with? Skyrocketing rent. Increased cost of their streaming services, increased groceries, increased uh, utility bills, increased gas costs. They're all being hit with that, too. And Democrats are furious because they can't get their message out in front of the voters. They have to try to get their message out because the, there's nothing that they can do to fix what they have caused with the economic issues of the day. And on that note, let's go ahead and take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we will have more on what's going on around the country and in the state here on The Joe Cunningham Show, right here, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542. If you want to join in the conversation, I guess part of the theme for today is, is going to be on back to school time because I, I saw this story earlier and I've, I've, I've expected this story to come for a while now. I need to get my friend Lee Guidry in here uh, before she leaves the advertiser to talk about this story. Uh, cause she's been doing a lot of digging and talking to folks about this, but, uh, over at the advertiser, will there be enough teachers for school this fall? How districts are coping with shortages? Acadiana districts and I'm I'm assuming districts all over the state and country are finding themselves with a severe lack of teachers. Now, for years, we've been talking about the coming teacher shortage. We knew it was coming and we knew in particular with covid that on the te- on, on the back end of the pandemic, we were going to see some gaps and we're starting to see those now. Lots of openings across the district, lots of teachers who are just getting out. Lots of teachers who economically have to find something else to do. A lot of teachers just burned out because of what the pandemic threw on a lot of folks. And this is one of those instances where you just have to do it. You just have to try to get as much of the, of, of, have, get as many of the positions filled as possible. Uh, talking with uh, Superintendent Tommy Byler in Vermilion Parish, uh, he told the advertiser there are not enough certified people to go around. No system right now is finding people who are certified. And that's going to be the big issue. Can you get effective people in the classroom who have not been classically certified as a teacher to be able to go in and teach the kids the content they need to know? It's less important for the subjects like physical education, like some of the middle school electives, the non-core stuff. But for the core subjects, science, social studies, English, and math, there are still a lot of openings all over the place. If you look at the uh, open positions in St. Landry Parish, you're talking uh, pages of openings on their site, several openings in Lafayette Parish, several openings in Vermilion Parish. All over the place, you are seeing just what a lack of teachers is bringing on. And the other problem is that you have a lack of substitutes right now. There there are very few substitute teachers. And the critical shortage areas that we're facing are going to increase the gaps that we saw post-pandemic. If you'll recall, when um, when many school districts either closed down or went hybrid during the pandemic, we saw an academic gap. We saw a loss, a big loss of learned material from one year to the next because of the closures, of the alternate schedules in response to the pandemic. The U.S. Department of Education data shows uh, Louisiana currently has shortages in all grades in five subject areas. English as a second language, special education, math, science, and world languages. We're also seeing shortages in those core areas. I mentioned math, social studies, and science as well. It's just impossible right now to fill those positions. Now, one of the ways we could have filled the positions, as I told you guys during the legislative session, is we need a bigger increase in teacher salary. I know some of y'all don't want to hear it, but that is the case. Now, here's the thing. Right now is actually a really good time for reformers in education. If you want to get in there, if you want to actually see what it's like on in the trenches of education right now, you can apply for a job. If you can get yourself enrolled in an alternative certification program, you will be hired. And most of those programs are online. They don't take a whole lot. Um, they, they'll cost you a, a little bit because you're essentially going back to college, although on a much shorter scale. But there are online programs That aren't nearly as costly that can get you trained and certified to be a teacher. There is a need for substitutes. So you can just go register, get a clear background check, and you can go uh, be a substitute in a classroom. And there are plenty of subs who have gotten hired for long-term positions because they can't fill those spots with a regular teacher anyway. So there are ways to get into the education system. If you really want to see The best way to reform education, if you are really concerned with the state of education, right now is the time for parents to get involved. Right now is the time where you can jump in and you can go and see what's happening in the classroom. You can go be a substitute. You can go see what it's like in the schools right now. Now, I can tell you that here locally, we're not seeing the activism and stuff from education officials that we're seeing in more progressive places. Y'all may not agree with me on this, but we do have a very conservative school board, all things considered. But there is a critical teacher shortage right now. At a time when Louisiana desperately wants to try to improve its education status, there's a critical teacher shortage. And there are a lot of school districts and a lot of schools that are simply not going to be able to fill those spots. And it's a perfect opportunity. It is a perfect opportunity for you to get in and see, actually see what's happening in our classrooms. And I, as an educator and as a parent, encourage more parents to get involved. It's not enough to simply pull your kids out of the public school. It's not simply enough to pull your kids into a homeschool situation. You need to see what's actually happening. Because I can tell you, Nobody gets it right. The teachers unions don't get it right. The activists don't get it right. Nobody really knows except the teacher that is in there every day working the hours in school and the hours at home to do their planning and everything, trying to get everything done correctly, only to be yelled at from all sides because they're either not doing enough or other people are messing up the job for them. There's a critical teacher shortage. Now's the time to get involved. Now's the time to try to help out as best you can. And part of it is, like I said, just try to donate some supplies. Ask your, ask your friends who may be teachers, do you have an Amazon wish list? Is there something I can help you get? Is there, are there some supplies I can help you get? Do you need books for your classroom? Do you need uh, Kleenex, paper towels, whatever? Are you somebody who has time during the day? Do you want to go and be a substitute in a classroom every now and then just to see what it's like in our schools? Are you looking for a new career? Do you want to join an Alt-SART program and go work in a school? Those opportunities are there. And that's how you reform the education system. You can reform it from the inside out by actually seeing what's happening in our schools and then working to make the changes. 232-1542, we're going to take a quick break. Some national topics on the way here on The Joe Cunningham Show, right here on News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to The Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL. 232-1542, we've got a few minutes left in the day. So some breathing room for Republicans nationwide. Uh, New polling out from Emerson. uh, Emerson College is showing that in Missouri... Eric Greitens is now down and Eric Schmidt is way up along with Vicki Hartzler. Now it's Vicki Hartzler's numbers haven't really changed all that much. It looks like she's got a little bit of a boost as Eric Greitens has collapsed. But the interesting thing here is Hartzler was the subject of a Trump rant. Trump said that he absolutely under no circumstances would ever endorse Vicki Hartzler. And that is kind of seen as, uh, as you know, she well clearly she's not the MAGA candidate. It is my opinion, though. Now, follow along here, and this is important because this this plays into Trump and his influence in twenty twenty two ahead of a possible twenty twenty four run. Trump behind the scenes has apparently been upset that Kimberly Guilfoyle, the girlfriend to his son, Don Jr., uh, jumped very early on Eric Greitens' team. Greitens is... uh, Eric Greitens is uh, the former uh, governor of Missouri, scandal-plagued, had a sex affair and blackmail scandal uh, at the end of his run as governor. And... Vicki Hartzler and Eric Schmidt are the two most legitimate candidates against him. Vicki Hartzler is a representative from Missouri, is is a U.S. representative from Missouri. Eric Schmidt is the attorney general in the state. I'm under the assumption that Trump did not want to make an endorsement in the race because he doesn't like Eric Greitens, Gritens tried a little too hard to jump on the MAGA train, but is scandal-plagued, and Trump doesn't want to be tied to that. But his son's girlfriend is on the campaign team, so he's not going to come out and, and make an endorsement against Gritens. But by saying that he's not going to endorse Vicky Hartzler, it is, in effect, an endorsement for Eric Schmidt. And I think that's part of what we're seeing here. Also, the fact that Gritens really hasn't been able... To get past a certain level of support from a very, very hardcore Trump base, but Trump hasn't made the not the endorsement, so they're walking away now. They're looking for somebody else. This is a race that the Republicans need to win, and Eric Greitens is the best way for Republicans to lose it. With Schmidt in the lead, Schmidt is the he's the he's the candidate. I would I want Eric Schmidt to win in that race. With Schmidt up at almost 40% in the primary, he's got 39.3% according to the Emerson poll. Vicki Hartzler has uh, 24.9%, and Greitens has fallen from 20-something percent to 17.8%. That's good news for the people of Missouri. Now, this all plays into something else. Greitens is one of the Republicans that Democrats would really like to see win in the primary. And I'm willing to bet that you're going to see Republicans uh, start to see Democrats throw money into advertising supporting supporting Eric Greitens. Now, why do I mention this? There is another race, yet another race. I've talked about this before. There is another race where the Democrats are doing this. Now, years ago, when Todd Aiken was running against Claire McCaskill in the Republican primary, Todd Aiken was behind Democrats. Uh, Claire McCaskill's own team dropped a lot of money attacking Todd Aiken in such a way that would make him more appealing to Republicans. And so he became The winner in the Republican primary, Claire McCaskill, went on to defeat him in Missouri, of all places. Well, the Democrats have continuously employed that strategy, but it's more and more working against them. In Michigan, Congressman Peter Meyer is up for re-election. He's being opposed in the Republican primary by a Trump-endorsed John Gibbs. Meyer voted to impeach Trump and Gibbs got Trump's endorsement. Democrats are throwing money behind Gibbs. They are spending money on advertising that bumps up Gibbs over Meyer. Now tell me this before we go for the day, tell me this. If Donald Trump and Trump Republicans are such a threat to democracy, Why are they using money to boost Trump Republicans in primaries? Because we're now seeing that Republicans in these primaries are winning and they're maintaining popularity. If the Democrats really wanted to save democracy, they would let the Republicans choose their own fate here. But they wouldn't be endorsing somebody that they would otherwise call a threat to democracy. It's all political. The Democrats are just playing politics here. And you have guys like David Axelrod. Who uh, worked for Barack Obama saying this is a bad strategy. You have other Democrats, you have Chris Hayes at MSNBC saying this is a bad strategy because what you're doing is you're promoting the worst of the worst Republicans. But Democrat strategists really and truly think that making Trump the center of the election is going to be what saves them. And it's proving time and again to not be the case that no matter what people think about Trump and Trump is very far outside of the spotlight as of right now. Voters care more about the economy. And even if you have a very pro-Trump Republican who wins the primary, what are you going to get? You're going to get a Republican who is very pro-Trump winning in a general election against a Democrat who supported the very things that voters are very angry at right now. But a lot of the Democratic strategists have fooled themselves into thinking somehow that just continuing to make it about Trump is the way of the future. That's how you're going to win the election. And that's simply not the case. So you have somebody like Eric Greitens. Who is losing sway and Democrats may throw money his way. You have uh, races like this Michigan race where Democrats are trying to pump up a pro-Trump Republican and it's going to backfire. That's it. 23 hours until the next Joe Cunningham show. But stick around. I'll be on Offsides with Shannon next. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at uh, Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Check out the podcast of the show, and we'll be back here tomorrow with the Joe Cunningham Show, 3 to 4, on News Talk 96.5 KPL.